You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Good There I am. Good morning. (laughs) It is so good to see you. I know we're saying that over and over again, but you just don't know what it's like looking into a camera lens all of these months. Hey, those of you that are home online right now, uh, your old hat, we've talked to you for, no, I'm just kidding. We are so happy that you're here this morning with us online, and uh, I just can't even put in the words to describe just the energy in the room this morning, and, and this a sense of, well, I'm going to talk about a new series, Fresh Wind, we're calling this Fresh Wind uh, Part Part one, our children are meeting downstairs in their kids' church program uh, for the first time in about 18 months, and uh, we just haven't been able to gather the kids in a safe manner, but we feel like we're able to do that, and we're doing that, and our children's church director, uh, Brittany Brink, is having a birthday today, so if you see her, make sure you wish her happy birthday. She's just just killing it, just doing such a great job already launching uh, our kids' ministry. The downstairs uh, is freshly painted and renovated, and uh, we have some more to do. We'll be talking to you about that. We want to continue just getting the Lord Auditorium for our children finished. Also working on a production area uh, to continue our lo- online stream. We really believe that we're to continue this for a lot of different reasons, uh, not just not just so people can uh, watch from home, but we're really believing it's a part of our expansion and future satellite churches in the region and And so we're just excited about that. We're just excited. I'm going to say excited a lot. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, as I've been anticipating getting back in the room, uh, I've really been drawn to the portion of Scripture in the New Testament where the church, the New Testament church, is birthed in Acts chapter 2. And it's called the Day of Pentecost. And Pentecost simply means penny five, 50, 50 days after Passover. So this was feasts that were on the Jewish calendar as there's a transition as Jesus comes taking the Old Testament and taking it uh, from what we call shadows and types and, and uh, examples and brings fulfillment, Jesus himself bringing fulfillment to all those Old Testament scriptures. He became the Passover lamb. A lamb was sacrificed once a year to cover the nation's sin. It was kind of to postpone it until the Passover lamb, Jesus, would come and take away the sins of the world. John the Baptist said, there's, there's the, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world when he identified Jesus that way the first time. So Jesus was the Passover lamb. We call it Easter, uh, where he uh, was uh, killed and buried and raised again so that we could have a relationship with God. And 50 days after that, uh, just happened coincidentally, <laughs> the land on the Jewish calendar of Pentecost, um, and Jesus fulfills that feast as well. I want to look at that, uh, the uh, Pentecost as it happened, uh, that, that fulfillment, and as it's ongoing, that experience is ongoing today. It's just been so long since we've been together, I almost feel like in a way, harvest needs to be rebirthed. <laughs> and I said it this way, if you've been a part of our leadership team or part of the dream team, 
that we can't just restart and, you know, think that we pushed the pause button, you know, pause, didn't have church in the room for 18 months, start again. Because the world has gone on for 18 months. And so we need to be cognizant of that and realize that. And God's been doing that. And we need to keep step uh, absolutely uh, with God in what, in what he's doing. And so as I was thinking about this, just thinking about how the New Testament church was rebirthed, and this is kind of a rebirthing for us, I was drawn to this portion of scripture. And really, I feel like what better way to spend the next five weeks, the length of this particular series, than to talk about the activity of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church as recorded in Acts, but the expectation of the scriptures of the Holy Spirit's activity here in your life today and in, as corporately as a church, uh, uh, how the Holy Spirit uh, functions and is to uh, just show his stuff <laughs> that he does. Jesus was explaining the work of the Holy Spirit in John chapter three to a man called Nicodemus. And he described that work this way, John 3, 8. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. He's using the analogy of wind. In fact, the word wind here uh, can really be translated breath, the breath of God, the life of God, the activity of God in the Holy Spirit. But I didn't think it would be appropriate to name our series Fresh Breath, because I'm not sure we would have got that <laughs> or maybe been distracted by it. So fresh wind as it's an analogy, according to Jesus, of the activity of the Holy Spirit. You can't hold it. You can't control it, but you can see the effects of it. You know when the Holy Spirit's been working in your life or my life or somebody's life doing the miracles that only God can do, changing lives the way only God can change lives. One author said it this way, who has seen the wind, neither you nor I, but when the trees bow their heads, the wind is passing by. Let's pray. Father, I ask you today that you would help me to communicate in this series, Lord, that you, you have a model, you have a way that we're to be doing church. And Lord, I mean, really, we've been, we, we understand this as a church now 18 years here uh, uh, as, as Harvest. Lord, you just have been so faithful to us. But I just feel like we're to be reminded and for some to enter into the wonderful truths of life in the Spirit, life with the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Lord, just, just help me to be able to do this. And Lord, as we study the scriptures, that we wouldn't just read them or know them, but I pray we would experience them in these days. And everybody said, amen. So be it, Lord. Well, those of you that are lovers of winter, and I know you're here, I can't even believe that you exist, but you do. <laughs> and, you know, so fall, it's just the seasons are, it just changes so fast after Labor Day. And uh, we had a gathering in our house yesterday, and this pool is still open because I refuse to close it until I really have to. And, and kids were swimming at 66 degrees, kids were swimming in it turning blue, and they don't care, it seems. But you know, some of you are really happy the hot weather is over and falls ushering us into winter. And, and I've said it a million times that I'm just a summer person and I love it hot. I mean, the hotter, 
the better. And, and I just, I don't mind. You'll never hear me say it's too hot. You'll never say, oh, it's so hot outside today. You never, you never. And I, my response usually is, hey, this costs $200 a day in February. So it's free today. So unless you take a, you know, a trip south, that's what it's going to cost you or more. <laughs> so, but I was thinking about how, you know, just even as a young kid working uh, in agricultural settings outside all summer long in southwestern Ontario, and then as I went to university um, in construction, and uh, and there would be summer days where we work outside. And, I mean, you're sweating profusely. John Bauman, you are so going to relate to this, right? Working outside and as a con- uh, construction person, a wonderful carpenter, and, and uh, when the air is like super still. You're sweating. It's hot. You can barely breathe. It's like a sauna. And then all of a sudden, that breeze comes up, and all the workers stop what they're doing. It's like all the hammers stop. And it's like, ah, that breeze feels so good. Are you there? Yeah. And, and so, so I was reminded of how many times that took place, how good that felt. And as we talk about fresh wind, I thought about starting this series. We focus on the activity of the Holy Spirit because these 18 months and, and I'm talking like the pandemic's over and in faith I am because I need it to be. <laughs> we all need it to be. But nonetheless, as we move through, you know, these days, it's like it's been so hot and the air's barely been moving and, and we just need that activity, a fresh activity activity of God in our lives where we could just stop like this morning during worship and just go, ah, it feels so good. How many are with me? Yeah, come on. And and so we're going to jump into this. And that's my prayer that we experience this and not just study it. John chapter 16. If if the idea of when we talk about the Holy Spirit, if that's new to you, you're like, I kind of get God the Father and yeah, I get Jesus, his son, but who Who's this Holy Spirit guy? Or what is this Holy Spirit? And just briefly, in John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his followers, and he says this. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. There's a lot in there that we'll unpack in the five weeks. And, but I want to I unpack this today. I'm going to reread it and emphasize in a very distracting way, but it's for purpose this morning, the personal pronouns of the Holy Spirit. Listen as I read it again. When he... The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you think Jesus was emphasizing something? Who uses personal pronouns that many times? And the reason it's being done is the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not energy. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is not Casper the Friendly Ghost. And the reason I say that, if you have an older translation of the Bible, spirit can be translated ghost. And so in some of your Bibles, it says it's okay, but you just need to understand he's not a holy ghost like Casper. 
He, he is the third person of the Trinity in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This morning, in a very quick manner, I just want to start with this, that you understand that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, God in his entirety is not the Holy Spirit. God in his entirety is made up of three persons. It's called the Trinity. It is a mystery. I wish I could explain it to you. If I could really explain it to you in a way that our minds could comprehend, I would be God. <laughs> and since I'm not, we will just decide by faith it is a mystery. How can three be one and one be three? And yet the scriptures declare it to be so. But the role of the Holy Spirit is to help people understand who Jesus is. Jesus said he'll take of what is mine or who I am. He'll take that and he'll give it to you in a way that glorifies or expands or magnifies or helps us understand who Jesus is today. Not just historical Jesus, although it's important that we understand historical Jesus, but Jesus who is alive today, risen, and by his Holy Spirit makes himself known in the earth. Holy Spirit activity, or Jesus said how we can, we can kind of get that the Holy Spirit is working or his activity doing this, causing people to understand who Jesus is and that God is real today. He's not some cognitive idea or some religious notion, but he's alive today so he can be alive in you and in me. We can have relationship with the very creator of the universe. Holy Spirit activity Jesus described as wind, <laughs> as wind. You can't see it, but you can see the evidence of it. This evidence we are supposed to, in our individual lives as Christ followers, we're supposed to be yielding to that so that we ourselves could be, not just once we know Jesus, the Holy Spirit activities in our lives, but that we could be used for the Holy Spirit as a conduit kind of think of it that way, a pipeline of his activity through our lives as we touch others. That's the design of God. Let me show it to you. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, go, he says, go and announce to them, to the world, that the kingdom of heaven is near. How do we make that announcement? In other places, it's called the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news. This, this, this idea that God is not an angry God ready to zap you but your sins have already been taken care of. You simply have to acknowledge that and allow Jesus who took care of our sin that separated us from God, that his, we invite his forgiveness into our lives because it's been provided. It's been paid for already by Jesus on the cross. He died in our place. He says, go and announce that story to the world. And here's how we do it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure the lepers, Cast out demons, give as freely as you've received. Well, if I'm listening today, or I was listening as one of the 12, I'd go, that's the stuff you did, Jesus. <laughs> How do you expect me to do that? I can't do that. And so the answer is, of course we can't. And I want to show you, it's important, it's kind of, this, kind of just preliminary, build some foundation to build on for the next five weeks as we talk about fresh wind, the Holy Spirit's activity in my life, your life, corporately, uh, as we are called to touch this region in a profound way. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me 
will do the same works, 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 works of the Holy Spirit, works. We're going to see next week how Jesus yielded to the Holy Spirit. He didn't do this on his own. He did it as a human on the earth, fully God, fully human. But he relinquished his divinity when he did miracles and touched people. And there was Holy Spirit activity because he wanted to demonstrate how we could live the same way. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Even greater works, because I'm going to the Father. Really, Jesus? So you're asking us to do impossible things that we watched you do, and now you're saying that you actually have an expectation that we would do greater things? Greater things? Come on. How, how will we do that? And he said, I'm glad you asked that question. And it's in, it's in the verse. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done, even greater works, because, help me out this morning, say because. Because I'm going to the Father. Wait a minute. You're not even going to be around here to help us with this? <laughs> no, he said, you got to get this. The because is there's going to be a transaction. Jesus walked on the earth as a man under the power of the Holy Spirit, and then he hands this task to his church and says, now until the end of the age, I want you. And he, in 1 Corinthians, uh, the Paul, the apostle Paul to the church says, we are the body of Jesus. He uses the analogy, we are the hands, we are the feet, we are the representation of Jesus on the earth. By the way, we don't always do a good job. And that'll be for another series <laughs> as we talk about how to relate to people who don't know God. Some people do a really bad job with that. But anyway, I better not go in that direction because I won't get done. And so Jesus says, because I'm ascending to the Father and because the Holy Spirit, this is gonna ha what I'm doing is gonna happen in a greater way quantitatively because you're all gonna get to do this. Come on, somebody. He goes on and says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or somebody who's for you like I'm for you, and it just happens to be the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. So just before Jesus ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem and they were in a room together, just like a room today, and probably about the same number of people, about 120 people were gathered in that room. And we read about it in Acts chapter 1. Luke, who wrote Acts, is recording it. And if you read the Gospel of Luke, at the end of Luke, it jumps. He, he just dot, 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 and starts in Acts 1, telling us the story. He says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised, as I told you before. This transaction, Jesus up, Holy Spirit down. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That word, you will be my witnesses, simply means this in a court of law, if you're called to give an account, you say, you're a Christ follower, I'm a Christ follower. All right, uh, could you present the evidence that God is alive today? And we can point to the work that God does in our lives, that he's done by his Holy Spirit, but as well, 
We're to point to the evidence of God working continuously every day, every minute in the world today through his Holy Spirit. Somebody needs, I I don't know who I'm talking to today, but somebody, hello, the wind is still blowing. The Holy Spirit is still working. And there's an expectation of heaven that this would continue every day until his return. Suddenly, Acts chapter 2, as they were hanging out waiting for what Jesus said was to come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Oh, that's just a coincidence. (laughs) Holy Spirit activity, Jesus had told them. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the Spirit gave them a capacity to speak a language they'd never learned in their brain before, but somehow out of their innermost being, it was just bubbling up. This activity of the Holy Spirit was both a literal wind in this case, and, and of course the wind symbolically and, and as an analogy of, of the Holy Spirit was working in, it drew people's attention. People were outside this meeting going, this is weird, which by the way, the Holy Spirit's not weird, but people are weird. And so sometimes, sometimes, yeah, and we have to kind of explain what's happening and we want to do that the best we can. And so Peter gets up to do that and tells the story of how much God loves the world and how much Jesus cares and that he went to the cross that had just happened 50 days before and this is why he did it. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. Oh, about 3,000. Not a bad kickoff service, just saying. That's not a bad first service. 120 and then it grows about 3,120. Not, not bad at all. Pretty good first service launch. And then throughout the book of Acts, the activity of the Holy Spirit continues and increases and increases and increases, which is happening not just in a church, it's it's in our lives, it's in your life and in my life, and then we come together corporately, there's an expression, and as we live out our daily lives, this expression of the Holy Spirit in and on us. And if you look at numbers right now, and, and they're quoted uh, in the media, and uh, that churches are declining in number, and, and that's, a true, that's a true story. But what they don't report is there is also a growing and expanding uh, church growth throughout the world. It's a global, which doesn't belong to a denomination. It doesn't belong to a genre of churches. It doesn't belong to a kind of church. It, It belongs to churches that embrace that the Holy Spirit's activity, the wind blowing, is for today. And that without it, we're dead. <laughs> we're, I'm going to show you this, that, that, that there's just not a lot we can do in the name of Jesus without his Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, there's really nothing we can do. Because this flesh and blood body is still fallible. It makes all kinds of mistakes, at least mine does, each and every day. And I need the grace of God each and every day to get my toothbrushing right and spit out. And when I go to the dentist and she says, did you floss? I have to hang my head and say, no, I didn't. (laughs) We're doing the best we can in the grace that God gives us. And he's changing us. And he's, he's, he's transforming us by his Holy Spirit. But the fastest growing segment of Christianity right now are churches all over the world. And I, I, I could present, you, you can do your own homework, and, and they're there, uh, depending on what sources you go to, um, and see legitimate numbers that churches are growing powerfully all over the world that embrace. I love when I talk to missionaries 
that are from, and it happens often, hap, that they may uh, attend, uh, um, they're part of a denomination or church, a kind of church here in the, in, in the Western world that doesn't emphasize or talk about what I'm talking about today. In fact, they, they rarely reference it. They would say, miracles really aren't for today. That was, you know, for that, that this time. And, and we don't really need miracles. We just, we don't need that, you know, supernatural activity. We just, we kind of just need, you know, uh, study and logic and philosophy and we'll read our Bible and do the best we can. And that just makes me yawn thinking about it. And, and I talk to these guys and I go, how's your church going in whatever third world country or whatever, you know, country that we're there working? And they go, oh my, we, we can't put campuses in fast enough. We're up to 12 services on a Sunday morning. And I go, really? How's that happening? And they'll lean in and go really quietly. They go, you know how our denomination doesn't believe in the work of the Holy Spirit today? Uh-huh. Well, we do because it's the only way you can have church in a third world country <laughs> to cut through all of the stuff that human ingenuity in the name of church can put together, but only God can do when his Holy Spirit comes. Am I, am I in the right church this morning? All right. Just reminding us. Baptism, he said you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptism simply means to identify with. When we're water baptized, we're identifying the symbolism of the water baptism. Jesus' death, his burial under the water, and then his resurrection, his, our life, our life-giving relationship with him. And we identify with that because we realize that I was dead in sin. I was separated from God. That, that, that though I try as hard as I can to do good works, there's never enough good works to overcome sin. There is no answer to man's sin and man's separateness from God except the gift of salvation that comes, comes by asking him. But we, we undergo water baptism, and we do that here at Harvest because people are saying in that, and Jesus told us to do it, because it's your way of saying, I identify with my need to die to myself. And my sins would be buried in Jesus on the cross. And God says, you'll never see your sins again. You know, some of you, you remind God all the time, well, God, you know, I'm not, God, you know what, what, you know what I did yesterday? And God goes, no, no, I don't. What, what did you do? <laughs> He's God. He can do that. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, it's not in his memory. You know how you and I do that? We forgive somebody, but we still have a record of what they did wrong, and we work through that. But God doesn't have to work through that. He loves us. He adores us. He's for us. I identify with my sin being buried with Jesus, and he doesn't remember it anymore. I like water baptism. I like that I did that. I like that I identify, and I like that we come up and say, I have a brand new life in Jesus with God. God, a fresh start, so to speak. Well, we can identify with the Holy Spirit, too. Jesus said there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me take you through some thoughts about why I believe, because the Bible says it, that every Christ follower is to have an experience with the Holy Spirit, the wind, a fresh wind, if you've ne a fresh wind if you've never experienced it, an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, like they did in Acts. It's an expectation in the New Testament that every single Christ follower would have an experience and an ongoing life with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to end with this this morning. Uh, let me just walk through some of these ideas, and hopefully they'll make sense to you. When we go back to Genesis, God's, 
this was God's plan. Whenever, what's God's plan for man? What's God's intention for, human, for the human race upon the earth? We can find it in Genesis before the fall of humanity because of sin. It says this in Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, I don't believe this is figurative. I, I really believe that God, you know, uh, fashioned however he would have done that through the elements were made of carbon, the carbon elements. Uh, however God fashioned with the resources, on purpose he did this. And, and then here's Adam in an animate object. He's not alive. He would look just like you and I would look, but no life in him. And then God put his life into Adam, the breath of God, the wind of God. And Adam opens his eyes, and Adam is an eternal being. He has God's eternal life inside of him. And Adam begins to function in the garden with God's eternal life, and they share this relationship in the garden. They walk together, they talk together, Adam and Eve, in the garden with God. And then Adam and Eve decide to go their own way. We don't need God. We're going to put ourselves on the top of the heap and basically the beginning of humanism. We've got this, God. We don't really need you anymore. And turned and went their own way, at which point they separated themselves from God. And if if you know the story, it says this, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Adam looked at Eve, and Eve looked at Adam, and, oh, my goodness, put your clothes on. Now, I want you to think about this, not specifically nakedness, because I'll lose half of the audience if I say, can you just ponder for a moment nakedness? Yeah. hey, we can talk about nakedness and sex in church, all right? So don't, come on. You're all stiff and awkward right now. and Just loosen up a little bit. Adam and Eve realize that they're naked. The word naked in the dictionary, if you look it up, means to be without clothes. I'm going to suggest something to you. You can believe me or not, but it works for my sermon today, and I believe it, and I'll just, I'll just, kind of pass it to you, and you can think about it based on what I'm going to say. If they were naked, you can't have the word naked without the word close. It's impossible. Yeah? You understand how it's like a, it's without. It's like a, like a negative word. It's without close. And so how can you be born without close if there was never close? So as soon as they realized that they were naked without clothes, they tried to dress themselves. And they covered themselves very, you know, with what they had, what they had. And humanity's been trying to dress themselves ever since with what we have access to and whatever we reach for. And I'm not just talking about physical clothes. Help me with the analogy. I think you're tracking with me. But that means they were dressed. And I'm going to show you what they were dressed with. And this is important to what we're talking about today because it's God's intention. The Bible says in Genesis 1-2 that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so until God created the universe, he was hovering. There was no place 
that's again an analogy. It got the idea is like a bird hovering. No place to land. Will you say that with me? No place to land? No place to land. No place to rest. God spends six days creating the universe, and on the seventh day, including man on the sixth day, and on the seventh day, it says, on the seventh day, God ended the work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. And most of us would say God sat in his lazy boy chair, grabbed his clicker, and watched football, because it was Sunday, and it's the day of rest. We'll go to church first. We'll honor God with the seventh Sabbath day. And we've missed the whole point because we have a pre-idea of what rest is. The Spirit of God was hovering. He had no place to rest. Remember when Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have... But the Son of Man has no place to rest. That his, on the seventh day, when God was finished his work, the ruler and sovereign of the universe took his place and sat upon, literally sat upon, not hovering now, he came to rest and his presence covered all of creation, mankind included. That was God's intention for how the world should work. The world has not worked the way God intended because Adam and Eve, who were given the authority for creation and co-partnered with, you know, with God because he created that way, walked away from that. At that moment, they lost that presence of God that covered them. And what they realized is they were just flesh and blood, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And what made them and set them apart was yes, they had eternal life, which they had forfeited as well, but they had forfeited that this flesh isn't capable of what God can do. But when God covers this flesh and dresses and, 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 and rests on this flesh, there's a capacity amongst humans where God can begin to work and begin to express his love because he chose to do that through people. He did it through Jesus first who walked amongst us, God with us, Emmanuel. And then he said to his church, now will you carry it on? Watch now. Jesus, after he died on the cross, shows up and freaks his disciples out because he walks through a wall. And he greets them. And John 20, 22 says, then he took a deep breath and he breathed in them, received the Holy Spirit. They got born again. We use that language here at Harvest. And if you're new to that, I apologize for that being a new phrase. And I don't have time to unpack it this morning. But meaning we were separated. Our spirits were dead. We didn't have an eternal spirit anymore. But Jesus, because he had just died on the cross and they understood who he was and they had accepted that, they received eternal life. They received eternal life. And when we make that decision, I'm going to ask in this room today, is there anyone who wants to make this decision? We do it in every service. To receive Jesus into your life, forgiveness of sin, and begin an incredible relationship with him. But that's just kind of the beginning because these guys, he said, I need you to go to Jerusalem. Watch the way Luke says it's super important as we close this morning, but this is like the most important point of everything I've said. So don't, don't check out yet. I know the team is here and we're transitioning. Please focus. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. We all track what that was. Day of Pentecost, spiritual baptism. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Of all words Jesus could have used, he said, put your clothes on. Because until 
the end of the age when this flesh at the, at, the res, at the end of this resurrection, this flesh is still flesh. I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven. I, I've been accepted by God. He breathed in me. I, 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 we say it that way, and that is awesome. But did you know that God gave us harvest, each and every one of us, this huge task to do, to represent him on the earth. And we don't do a good job at that by ourselves. We are still frail flesh and blood. And God says, I'll cover that. Uh, you'll be able to do the God stuff by the Holy Spirit being on you, but there's an experience which you yield like a tree blowing in the wind, that you yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. And in these weeks, I want to encourage us. For some, it might be new. For some, we need to be reminded. But I want to I want to launch out as we, this is our very first service in the room together. Launch out saying, we want to be a people together corporately and as an individual. I don't know about you, but I need help every single day. And head knowledge of the scriptures, as wonderful as that is, is not enough for me. I want the fresh wind. I want the working of the Holy Spirit. I want to know that I know that I know that God is real because I can see the wind blowing. Do I control that? And I know there's some weird Christians out there, and we'll talk about it. We're not, we're not, you know, we don't endorse that weirdness for the sake of weirdness. People go, it's the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. You're weird. Stop being weird. The Holy Spirit, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. We may not always understand it, it, here, but somewhere in here, and people, even people who have never seen it, will stand back and go, wow. Or people who have come in the room, and they'll, they'll say, We've had people say, the energy in this room is incredible. Yeah, he has a name, Holy Spirit. And we don't say it that way, of course. But we begin introducing them to Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is here. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the way of receiving, not eternal life. You have that if you're a Christ follower. Receiving the covering, his rest, his lordship, his power that we're yielding to on a daily basis on our lives. Because I can't raise the dead or heal lepers. I can't do any of that. And I'm not even going to pretend I can. But when I was 16 years old and I heard this message, I said, I want that. And from that moment on, I, re I experienced the Holy Spirit in my life. And from that moment on, I've seen lives change. People, people that, that didn't know God realized that they could. Not because I sat them down on a park bench and, and cognitively convinced them or manipulated them. So I simply just started talking about who he was in my life. And something happened in that gathering where they began to feel the wind. They didn't know what it was. <laughs> they, couldn't, couldn't, they couldn't hold it. They just knew there was some wind. They go, what is that? That's Jesus. And he loves you. I've seen the wind blow. And I want it to blow again, like we've never seen it blow. I'd like us to stand this morning. We're going to transition this service. Thank you for some patience. I went a little bit longer. If you're here with us new, and we typically end three minutes ago, but we're going to end the service. I want to ask a question that I ask online, while we did, but in the room, it's so much more fun. I just want to ask if you're here today and and something inside you today would say, I don't know Jesus the way you're talking about. 
I don't, I maybe knew there was a God, but I thought he was angry at me. And you're saying I can receive a relationship with God? Yeah, we believe that knowing God is the first step of finding out why you even breathe air and why. Because God has a purpose for every human being. To touch another human being in a profound way. And so on and so on. If you're here today and you've never, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. And it requires, as we look back at the Easter event, that we don't acknowledge it, but we personalize it and say, God, I want that for me. And if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I want that for me. I'm going to count down from five. I'll just go five, four, three, two, one. When I get to one, I'd ask you to raise your hand, and I'll lead you in a very simple prayer. And we believe something profound will happen in your life today. Five, four, three, two, and one. Would you raise your hand and say, I'd like to be included. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. church, you know what to do. We're going to pray a prayer together, and I'm emotional because (laughs) it's what we do and why we do it. And we've just been trusting as we've been staring in cameras at people, but to see and experience it together with people today. Please pray this prayer with me today. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me and that you paid the price for my sin. I receive it today. Come in my life. Make me new. I begin my journey with you. Amen. We believe if you prayed that prayer, you're born again and God's Spirit is in you. (laughs) Please let us know by telling somebody in a green shirt today or they may have seen your hand and they'll just interrupt you before you go simply to give you a Bible or to celebrate today your decision to receive Jesus into your life. Church, as we go, let's worship him today.